it's been it'll be nine years september 1st you know that i've been on the board but you know and just for a little background context the very first conference i went to was las vegas in 2011 and i went up to register or to get my registration packet and all that and eva was the very first person i interacted with and we had a problem because she could not find my registration anywhere i had to go through my phone find my uh, credit card statement and said here here's my six hundred dollars i paid and she's like okay here's your packet and so just that interaction of back and forth made it more memorable about who i was i guess because there's what 350 people at that conference there was a time so yeah. uh so that's kind of where it started from the very first day that's amazing well you know we can always use a third hand uh with the podcasting you know a third host <laughs> would just be uh would make things that much better you know that you, you have to come in every now and then and uh, maybe host with us, co-host with us. Would that be something that you'd uh, entertain in your busy work schedule? I would entertain it, yes. It sounds like a once-a-month thing. It's not once every 30 minutes. So, yeah, it's probably something like I could possibly do. It's time for Nadar. Let's get into it. The podcast that dives into the past, present, and future of Nadar. This is where we will hear stories of how the organization came to be, tips for better representation, and a behind-the-scenes look of Nadar. Now with your hosts, Eva Sermon and Jay Shea Guest. I am Carletta Griffin, inviting you. Let's get into it. Everybody says that I have this, this podcast voice, but I mean, you got me beat. I, I don't think so. You have better, a better flow than I do. You see all the gaps I have in, in my thoughts process here. So there are so many squirrels running around my office at times. <laughs> well, uh, we want to welcome everybody to the podcast today. Uh, we have, uh, as you heard, uh, as we came in, very special guest today, um, uh, along with Eva. We have uh, our friend Michael. How are you? I am well. Thank you very much, Shay. He's going to be real great in T-minus 21 days. <laughs> See this red face? This is not just from the sun. Yeah. I'll be a lot paler come September 1st. Wow. So we, we've talked with Michael before on the podcast um, as kind of like a midterm um, catch up with him last year. Um, but we just really felt like it was important to bring him back as he uh, kind of counts down the days to to not being on the Nader board after nine years, which is an amazing amount of time um, to volunteer of yourself. You know, it's like, I think that's the part of it that truly amazes me is like, I am a part of an association myself for, you know, my certified association executive credential, right? And I can barely manage to commit to like the publications committee. You know what I mean? Um, once I've done that. Um, and so I just think it's amazing, Michael, that you've spent so much time, so much of your time uh, giving back to the organization. And so we wanted to chat with you a little bit about your time on the board and kind of highlight some of the things that you've experienced um, along the way. All right. Looking forward to that. So let's start with what is one of the funniest things that you think you've experienced as a board member, not necessarily president. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to think about that over the nine years, like what would be the funniest moment. But, you know, I think maybe the funniest moment is how I came to be on the board 
in the first place. Uh, you know, I, I showed up at our very first uh, networking weekend, which was here in Memphis, actually, in 2013. And I just kind of made myself available saying, hey, I'm a local guy. I can show you around. What do you need to know? And and just made myself available. And then I was uh, I'd always bring my camera to the conferences and I would take pictures and offer them up to Eva and Julie and whoever else needed them. And uh, then next thing you know, out of the blue in December of 2013, I believe, I got a phone call at 730 at night from Scott Whitaker, who I knew a little bit since he's in the area. And he said, we're putting together a slate for the, the board of directors for Nader. And I said, great. What what is a slate? I had no idea. I've never been on a committee like this before. Uh, and, and he said, well, we're looking for officers or, or qualified candidates to uh, put up to run for election. And we have a few positions. I said, okay, well, what kind of positions do you have? So, well, we have the secretary position. I said, you know, I really hate taking notes. So what else you got? He said, well, we have our treasurer position open. And he really was kind of selling it up as like, that's a great thing. And I said, well, I know how to use QuickBooks and I kind of run uh, the our law office here with uh, all the finances is great. You're going to be our next treasurer. So next thing you know, I'm on the slate. I'm put up for election for treasurer and little did I know nobody else wanted to be treasurer. That was just the lava pit that people wanted to avoid. And there were no ropes for me around it. So I stepped right into it. And uh, next thing you know, I became treasurer September 1st, 2014. So, and then we creatively, um, put forth a bylaws amendment that allowed the treasurer to run for two consecutive terms. So then you were roped in to four-year commitment in that way. I, I don't even know if it's a, uh, if I ran for the position, I was just put in that spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, maybe I wanted to run from that position, but uh, <laughs> now it, it was, uh, it was it was a great spot. It was it was a great spot to learn a lot quickly because I did get to interact with you, uh, on a several times a week as we discussed before, yeah. um, and I learned a lot quickly. It was a a lot of a learning curve for sure. So tell me a little bit about what like um, your take on the difference between. I mean, treasurer kind of. That's probably the next most frequent person that I speak to on the Nader board besides the president, but in your mind, like the level of work from being a board member to being the, the president, was that like a shocking step up in work or? You know, it was, I was warned about that. I think uh, Phil had said something about it and then Greg had said something about it, but you, it still don't grasp the level of, commitment and time and involvement in everything day to day, especially as a volunteer, uh, until you're really thrust into it. Uh, one of the, and you might want to say was one of the most challenging and funniest moments at the, at the same time was the very first day of my presidency, September 1st, 2021. COVID was surging again, and we were about to have our first networking weekend in two years. We'd already canceled it in 2020, of course, and we had to make a decision. And Greg waited until he was out and I was in the first day. We had an emergency meeting and we had to vote to see if we're going to have that networking weekend or not. And it came down literally to a four to four, four and four split among the other board members. And I had to make, you know, cast the ultimate vote. And I, I think I cussed everybody said, you know, 
damn you for putting me in this position on the very first day, but here we go. So, uh, yeah, I made the decision to cancel the, or at least postpone, uh, even though I really wanted to go, but I thought it was the prudent thing to do. So that was difficult. Not funny, haha, but ironic that that's your, basically your first task right out the gate, you know? Right. So it all got easier after that, correct? Uh, are you talking to me? Sure. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it maybe set the tone a little bit. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think it's just so funny because no matter, you, there's no way we could have predicted that global pandemic, right? And so, you know, my conversations with Greg over his tenure were just very different conversations. Like we we weren't planning events, right? Because we were canceling events, right? We were in cancellation mode. So things just felt, I don't know, different. Um, there were less decisions to be, were bigger decisions, but less decisions to be made. You know, we weren't, we weren't looking for speakers. We weren't interviewing people like, you know, so we, we, we were pivoting a little bit and making decisions about ways we can engage people virtually. Um, but that's that's pretty easy in the grand scheme of things. When you're hosting a virtual event, there's not a lot of moving parts and pieces to that, you know. Um, and so we had been doing it, just not as many virtual events. Um, so those are pretty easy, you know, easy in quotes time period, right? We weren't doing day to day business like like we are again, you know. Right. So it was a, it was a learning it was a, a learning process. We did learn a lot in. Uh, some good things did come out of the pandemic for us, like uh, Nader Connect and the right. Masterminds. Uh, we got a lot more engagement uh, face-to-face, as it were, through Zoom right. um, when we didn't get to see people except for twice a year, you know, uh, see their face at all or hear their voice or even know what they looked like. Uh, but we got a lot of good interaction with those two new programs. So there is that positive out of that. And uh, I commend Greg for uh, cultivating that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, but it's just interesting how from president to president, like the the tide changes, not necessarily with who the president is, but just like all of a sudden now we're coming, you know, you became president. We were kind of working our way out of COVID. Um, and just, you know, a whole different set of things pops up, right? And you just never know what that's that's gonna be or what that's gonna look like or how much time that's gonna take, you know. But I find it. I think the thing that people don't understand about being president of the organization is that when I started, I remember Julie telling me, just so you know, like this is an association. Um, Nothing is a true emergency. Like there's just so few true emergencies. And that is for the, you know, by and large, that for the most part is true. Like nothing that we're doing here is, you know, going to make or break somebody's life. It's not life or death. We're not, you know, we're not repairing somebody's spine, right? Like, I mean, it's just truly not an emergency. But in the last four years, I feel like there have been some true emergent phone calls, right? That we have had to just put everything else aside and take and and tackle, you know? Um, And starting with the pandemic, you know? So challenging uh times but I, to your point like i think we've grown and there have been some really good um outcomes because of it well, for sure 
So I know that we have talked some on the podcast about um, the the fee issues program that you sort of spearheaded. Um, and I just think this is such a huge success, both of the organization, but also for you personally as the president to take this project on. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit. So let's go back to the beginning when we first learned that there was an office of customer service. Um, we were very surprised about that. That, that was <laughs> It was it was almost it was one of the funnier moments, I guess, because it was almost <laughs> ironic, you know, because people can't get customer service. Right. And then we find out there is that office, but it's a very well hidden office, apparently. Right. And it was right around the time when all of the social media memes were going around that it was like, I, I'm today, I am today years old when I learned. Right. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. I was like, wow, okay. Been in this industry quite a while and had no idea that there was an office of customer service. But nonetheless, we get connected with them. And we learn of a sort of a similar, you know, setup that they have kind of constructed for another organization where they were helping to sort of shake loose these fees that have been just sitting for months and months, right? And we're immediately like, well, we need to have that same, we want to have that same, you know, opportunity to work with you. Um, And for the first time ever dealing with social security, everything we asked of them, they're like, well, yes, we can do that. Oh, sure. We can set your email up as a secured email uh, back and forth between SSA. Oh, sure. You want a template? Yeah, we've got a template. We can give you the template so you can figure out how to collect the data. Oh, you want to follow up? Yeah, absolutely. We'll follow up with you. And Michael and I are just staring at each other like, are we, is this reality? Is this actually happening? Um, and so we, we, we moved down the path of setting this up. So talk to us a little bit about the front end of the fee issues projects and kind of in our minds, what our goal was. Well, yeah, to go very back to the beginning, uh, I think it was around January of 2022, the talk list was just on fire with, we can't get paid. We, we can't pay our employees. We can't pay our, our rent, like individual, it went from individual representatives to large law firms, you know, national firms that were laying off people. And I had a quick conversation with Chris and said, we got to do something about that. So we decided to put together our own little spreadsheet and I reached out to the membership through social media, through our e-blast, through uh, whatever means we had uh, as much as I could to say, hey, fill out this template. Tell me what fees you have that are have been unpaid over, you know, that haven't been paid over a certain period of time. And we collected, I don't know, 700, 800 individual fees from it was only about 40 different members you know large firms small firms individuals and we then took that data to social security because social security does not listen to one-offs or just individual complaints so we had to give a large sample of data to prove it to them and uh, again you know we talked to Jean she set up the meeting with OCS and again she was surprised there was an office of customer service and she's our public policy advisor I don't think anybody knew it existed so we had that meeting presented the data and I was even challenged I guess if you want to say by one of the the managers now that was a funny moment that was a a hysterical moment yes yes uh she challenged me so well Mr. Weiner where are you coming up with this uh data because I had pulled up some data about 
uh, attorney fee payments across, you know, all attorney fee payments, not just for, you know, our group. And I had shown to them that we, there was a 27% drop since March of 2020 uh, on payments going out, yet decisions were still being made. And she said, well, where are you getting that, that data, Mr. Weiner? I said, well, if you go to ssa.gov slash representation slash uh, information, and then she says, okay, okay, okay. So she realized where I got it from, but there was their own data. So that, that kind of set the tone for them to say, okay, like our hand is in the cookie jar. We need to do something about that. So we, we gave them one specific data set with uh, a lot of PII so they could look at it. And they came back a month later and they said, yeah, it seems to be all of our problems, you know, none of y'all's problems, which, I mean, that was an obvious moment because we earned the fee and they just haven't paid it. So there's nothing we could do that would slow up that process. So that's when they said we've gotten, you know, 90% of those fees paid to that, that group. And uh, we're going to set up that portal, as uh, Eva had mentioned. And uh, we started collecting PII through our uh, secure email address, and we started submitting it to Social Security on November 1st of last year. And it just took off like wildfire. Uh, I spent more time on that than I think being president uh, for a few months. Um, and there was a lot of time still being spent as president. So um, we've I think we've gotten two and a half million dollars worth of requests so far, uh, uh, over 800, 800 fees. And to date, we've collected $1.66 million for our members uh, and Amazing. over 500 of those fees. Um, it's That's just unbelievable. I mean, because truly, I mean, if you're an individual solo practitioner, you know, um, you're you are constantly in this seat of, am I taking on enough business to pay my bills? Or am I taking on too much business to where I can't provide good customer service to my claimants, right? So it is a very delicate balance, if, especially if you do not have the, the depth and breadth of a large firm behind you, you know? And so when you're literally, you know, keeping your doors open, you know, one fee at a time, um, every single solitary fee matters. And, you know, I think somebody, I want to say maybe it was Carletta, um, but said to, you know, a, a, a claims rep or somebody on a, on a payment center call one time, you know, you, when do you get paid? Do you get paid every other Friday? Because I don't, you know, and, and this fee that we're talking about is more than nine months old. Like that, I think that really was like, that is absolutely the like the the top line i think memo here is like we are working really hard to help these people get the benefits that they deserve and also sort of weed out right the the fluff the the claims that aren't going anywhere the people who will be better in 12 weeks after their broken foot heels or whatever um who are misinformed or, or completely uneducated about what social security disability is. And we deserve to get paid on time, you know? And we're not even asking for a biweekly. We're asking for you to just process Timely. things as quickly and efficiently as you possibly can. Yeah, uh, at the end of our first meeting with them when I presented all the data, I, I said, look, if you look past all the numbers, you know, we're more than just numbers. Our members are 
just trying to keep uh, food on the table. They're trying to keep people employed. They're trying to help their claimants. And some people are going out of business. They have already quit the business. And I'm trying to prevent other people from losing their jobs. And then claimants from being able to get quality representation. You know, there's other representatives out there, but but individuals um, deserve choices. Right. And, you know, and a lot of people call different law firms, call different reps to find out the right person for them. And if you take a few out of that, that gives people less choices. So trying to put a human element to that conversation, I think, resonated with them. I think uh, so, too. It, it almost left them speechless. Um, yeah. Well, especially in a time when sort of like... Um, executive level SSA people are saying things like we want, you know, equitable representation and we want people all over to have access to good representatives. And, but then it's like, well, but, but you're kind of like cutting off your, your, what's what's the saying? Cutting off your nose. Cut off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are literally closing their doors, you know, Um, or, or at a minimum being forced into some really tough decisions about how they move forward and stay open, you know? Um, so anyway, this is just something that I'm like so proud of for the organization, but also so thankful to you for kind of spearheading and taking on as your, you know, special other project on top of everything else you've done and serving as president at the same time. And I just think it's something that you should be so proud of, Michael, because I think it's a big deal and and possibly one of the most, um, I don't know, impactful things that we've done for the membership, right? Like obviously there's member benefits and stuff, but but I mean, where it made a, a big impact, you know, and it mattered. So thank well, you. Thank you. I'm I'm that. I'm proud of that. I somewhat get the feeling, and it may be because we have such a family element in this organization. And I'm fairly young, having started uh, just in the last 10 years. But I get the feeling that over the years and having had the opportunity to uh, interview past presidents and whatever that it it always seemed like the right person was there at the right time and this is one of those uh, moments that is no exception you know with michael during the pandemic i mean uh, with greg during the pandemic and and now you with the with the fees and and you look back and you see uh, the different ones who were in different places that had to make tough decisions or do something for the organization out of the norm and it was like it couldn't have been it couldn't have happened to a nicer person at the moment, you know, right? <laughs> That's a funny way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Shay. I mean, you know, and who knows what what what's in store for Chris, but it's like you, there's no way to predict it. And, you know, the other right about the time that you're thinking like, oh, wow, we're, we're rocking along here. Um, then the other shoe drops, but it's something completely unexpected. So uh, fingers crossed for the next couple of weeks that yeah uh, well it's not just all the president it's you know all the working parts it's 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 you uh and deb and then of course every other volunteer that uh keeps us going you know in day-to-day you run the day-to-day but you know we still have a hand in it day-to-day it seems um and it just wouldn't run without volunteers and the quality people that that have been put in place uh and, you know, the past presidents are the ones that always uh, try to direct the slate and identify those that uh, are going to be helpful and 
lead this organization going into the future. And I think they've done an outstanding job and putting together. So I appreciate them and their knowledge and uh, picking the right people to help me succeed. Yeah, I agree with you. And so speaking of that, that's kind of what your next role will kind of be is the immediate past president serves as the nominating committee chair. Um, and so what a what a nice little break for you, right? Like you're just going to get to head up a committee once a year for the next few years and kind of take a deep breath, much deserved deep breath, I think. Yeah, it'll let me get back to some other things like actually working in my own office and getting those <laughs> things caught up. Uh, it, it's been a, a juggling act. You know, I can't juggle worth the darn, but uh, I can, I, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning how to do it. But uh, yeah, it, it's going to be nice, you know, going down to New Orleans for the um, networking event and not have to be there a couple of days early for a two day, you know, eight hour a day meeting, you know, and being stressed with that. And, Wait, trying to figure what? out the direction. What's you that, Jay? You said two days, eight hours a day. Wait. Oh, did nobody tell you that when uh, you were selected <laughs> for uh, for a board position? No, I was. Oh, they're, they're, I, was okay. I was. I was promised um, uh, crawfish and etouffee, but um, that's. Uh... <laughs> well, that is coming, but <laughs> you'll be served in crawfish etouffee. Don't worry, but <laughs> but we will have we will have a strategy meeting. This is actually a great segue into the next part of the conversation that I kind of want to have because we hinted at this in the past, you know, one or two podcasts, but Shay's getting ready to come onto the board as Michael's coming off the board. And so Shay, what are your questions, if you have any, about, you know, what it looks like to be a board member of somebody who quite possibly may have served the long, I think you have served the longest amount of time on the board. Yes. Nine, uh, nine years. I think that takes the cake. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what it felt like your first day. Do you remember that? Is that is that somewhere in the, in the uh, yeah? There was there was there was a a bit of nervousness. You know, everybody knows that I'm a talker and you know very outgoing, but I I didn't want to say much at first. Uh, it it took me a meeting or two to kind of pipe up, and I tell you, I, I kind of got a not a trial by fire, but a induction by fire when uh, I got to have a two-hour conversation driving up to the first board retreat in Louisville in September of 2014, uh, I had a conversation with, was it Caitlin? Caitlin Thomas. And she put the fear of God in me, I think, uh, <laughs> telling me how bad it's going to be and, and how miserable. And, and I had to prepare this uh, report, you know, treasurer's report, uh, first two, three weeks on the job. I think I called Eva right after that. And I said, can I turn the car around and go back home? Cause I, I don't know if I could do this. I, it was scary, but it was not nearly as bad as what Caitlin put it out to be. Um, it was intimidating uh, at first, but I had not been involved with anything with Nader before, except for taking pictures, you know, and, and, and offering them up to Eva and to say, Hey, I'm here if you need something. And, you know, I was never really tapped for much, but, and I think Shay, you're going to have the advantage of a lot of interaction with Eva and a lot of the past presidents and other guests on the podcast for what, almost two years now, I think we've been doing this. Uh, so you've got more of a working knowledge of the organization uh going into it so you definitely have an advantage that i did not have 
I think Alicia Skinner is also going to have that advantage because she's been around Nader since I think probably high school uh, with her father being president, her mother being uh, secretary for a period of time uh, and serving on various committees. Um, So I think both of you are very well prepared for uh, what's coming at you. Um, You're going to have a soft landing, I think. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, well, for starters, you're going to get an email from me possibly later today um, that has a copy of our brand new board handbook, um, which Cheryl Rogers has put so much effort into over the last almost year. Um, And so our thought process in, um, in the last, you know, term has been that you really don't know what you're getting into as an incoming board member. And we weren't really doing a great job of, I mean, we, we did send a welcome, you know, email with some information and some links to um, the bylaws and previous meeting minutes and stuff, but, but it didn't kind of get into the nitty gritty of how the board sort of operates and who they interact with and um, some more of the finer details. And so this, this handbook kind of came about because of that. And so our hope is that the handbook will give you a lot of information up front and then we'll have um, sort of a, Chris and I are going to host a, I guess, an onboarding meeting um, by Zoom for the incoming board members just to kind of debrief that handbook. Like, what questions do you have? What concerns do you have? Um, you know, can we answer something for you that you, you have a question about or are unsure of? Um, and then also explain to you what that strategy meeting is going to look like in September and kind of what the expectations are of you um, from that perspective. So our, I think we're coming at this, this new board with a, a better toolkit, I guess. Um, so I'm hoping that everybody that's, that's onboarding will be a little bit more at ease. Um, yeah. I think an, another advantage um, of the last few years is that since we moved to Zoom calls for our board meetings and we can actually see each other, we were on a telephone uh, platform, uh, Arcadin or something else, whatever it was, uh, and it was clunky, I guess, when you had nine people on there. Um, we had eight board members at the time, now we have nine, uh, plus Eva on the call. Even with nine people, we people would talk over each other. There was a delay sometimes, um, but with Zoom, we could actually see each other. We could, you know, raise a hand instead of you know just trying to butt in and have four people talking at once. Uh, it's a much more streamlined process, and I think we've been a lot more efficient the last three or four years, you know, as a board in our meetings. Although they have tended to last a lot longer <laughs> uh, in the past few years, they used to last about an hour and a half, but I think we've routinely gone over two and a half hours. But there's been been a lot going on in the last year especially yeah i think that um you know it's a it's a byproduct of kind of what we're working with right now um but anything else that you wanted to ask shay well you know if if um you're looking back over the years that you've been involved with the board um was there ever any of those moments uh, now that you're looking back that you would say, man, if, if I had known then what I know today, I probably would have approached this differently, or I probably would have not done this or did do that. Uh, is there any, any, you're, you're kind of smiling on the screen there. So I, <laughs> you probably have like a notebook full of those, I guess. 
Uh, I did make some notes here for this. <laughs> I don't know how many pages it is now, but uh, I, there has been challenging moments for sure. Um, it, it's hard to even talk about some of them, but uh, you know, it, when you get so many personalities together, you know, you're not going to always agree, and it's tough to work through that and and try to do the right thing. Um, I think when I first came on the board and Bob was president, everybody was just with a happy-go-lucky and, yeah, okay, this sounds great. Let's just do that. And and we went with it. And as we evolved, you know, we've had differing personalities that didn't agree. And I think that's a positive thing, though, because if you always agree with something, where are you going? You know, it's just one person saying, hey, this is this is good. Okay, good. And then nobody does any work. Nobody thinks about it. Uh, we've like I said before, we've, we've got a really good group uh, that, that I've had to work with and uh, all, you know, through the past nine years, but especially now that have challenged me, you know, to, to make the right decisions to lead us, uh, but to also listen to each one of their opinions and ideas. And, you know, I've changed my mind a lot uh, based on what they've said, uh, because it's not just my perspective, it's their perspective. And each one of the board members represents you know, the other 600 and so members that we do have. And, you know, I can't stress this enough. We're a, an organization of our members and we need to listen to our members and we always will. We, we should never stray away from that. I've tried to put that into perspective in anything that I've, I've done. What is good for the membership? What is good for our claimants? Not what is good necessarily for the organization itself, but what's the bigger picture here? And yeah, it's interesting because back in the you know, let's see here, maybe six years ago or so, um, we would tease Phil Litterall because he would be the lone voice of dissent without, yeah, without you know, uh, any hesitation. And that's really how you have to be, you know, you have to be willing to stand up and say like, well, I respectfully disagree with you, you know? Um, and so that's why sometimes the meetings go long, right? Because there isn't an immediate unification on a topic um, and people are creative thinkers and, and, or have experience with a situation and, uh, or personally tied into it. And so maybe they have to abstain from giving their comments or what, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, for a long time, Phil would like, for sure, be the only guy like, no, I don't agree with that. No, yeah, he he was the guy sitting in the back. He never he didn't say anything unless he had something that would yeah, add to the conversation and maybe think a little bit differently because he didn't want to disrupt the process unless he felt it needed to be tweaked a little bit. And I'll never forget, you know, on each one of these. And it was, all, again, always the phone calls. Uh, nobody could see anybody. And you would just hear this voice and say, hey, this is Phil. Hey, this is Phil. You know, like we couldn't recognize his voice, of course. He can always recognize his voice, but he would just say, hey, this is Phil. And you knew he was going to have some kind of differing opinion and way to think about it. And, you know, we would discuss it. And, you know, sometimes we agreed, sometimes we didn't agree. But uh, it was a welcome opinion. Uh, the opinions have always been welcomed on this board. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it makes the meetings go longer. It makes our job a little bit harder because we have to think through three other scenarios sometimes mm -hmm. and maybe delay an answer but i think we've mostly come to the right answers and what's been good for our membership so yeah or sometimes you think that an immediate response 
response to something is required. But there have been a couple of situations since you've been president, Michael, where we've chosen to say nothing in the moment. And because we chose that, like the situation just worked itself out in its own way. Um, that we, if we would have meddled, it probably wouldn't have, you know? Um, so that's been an interesting um, takeaway too, because I'm, I'm, I try not to be a knee jerk reactor, but being sort of, you know, at the, at the helm of the organization from an operation standpoint and in charge of social media and e-blasts. And I'm, I'm, I'm an over communicator. Like I want everyone to know what's happening. And that's been a lesson for me in all of this is like, Hey, sometimes you can just not say anything and it works out even better than if you would have said something, you know? So the, the personalities, the, the backgrounds, the, I don't know, unique perspectives that different board members bring, I think are you're sort of critical to the growth of the organization. And I think for you, Shay, being willing to, you know, offer a differing opinion, um, if you have one, you know, if you're sincerely like, no, I don't agree with that, then, you know, that's what you should do. Even if it's day one. One of my I feel like uh, personal character flaws sometimes um, is that I, I, sp I speak through my thought processes sometimes, um, which means that it may, it may sound like a, a good or bad idea and maybe in a different an, an indifferent idea, but I get it out there. Sometimes I, I've sat on several um, uh, sports leagues boards here in Mississippi and um and I've had people come up and go, you know, you know, we never saw it that way till you said it, you know, it may or may not work, but now you got us thinking, now we got to have another meeting because of that, you know? <laughs> so, um, but one thing that, that, that I do maybe differently with Nader is, is I reciprocate something that I've learned since I've been a member. And I learned it from people like yourself, Michael, I've learned it from um, Phil, I've learned it from Greg. I, and, and when I say I learned it, uh, I've seen it. Cliff, I could go on and on and on. All, all these all these people who have been in leadership have never once made me feel, even from the first day I came to my very first conference and meet, met these folks face to face, I've never once ever felt like somebody did not have time for me. And that in itself made me want to be more part of this organization. And that's just, a. I think that's something that keeps being handed down from, from one, you know, uh, leadership uh, structure to the next, you know, so it's, it's something we keep building upon and I hope to do that, but I hope to do it, you know, keep continuing to do it better, you know, and always have time for someone else uh, that may be a future board member, maybe a future president, and even when uh, Chris uh, was just first coming into uh, serving on committees, I, I sat with him and ate uh, in in Reno at the hotel. And I was he he was getting up to go to a, a committee meeting or something or, or help with something at the conference. And and uh, he's like, I, I don't mean to, to leave you by yourself, but I have to go. I'm, I'm on this committee. And and I was like, cool. I mean, I didn't even know we could serve on committees. But the next time he came back and we sat down and ate again. He was like, you know, I, I, my desire is to be part of leadership and, and to be on the board and to help, you know, give back to what this organization has been given to me. 
that planted a seed, you know, and, and I, I never had any ambition to be on the board. I've, I've made that clear several, several times to people when they'd mention it. And it's never been an ambition of mine. My ambition is to give back to this organization what I feel like this organization's given to me. But maybe now is the time to to really, you know, put my money where where my mouth has been all this time. So and <laughs> the day has arrived, Shay. And that that's one regret I've had. And I've I've said this for the last two years is that uh, I I'm not getting a chance to serve with you on the board, Shay. I've wanted you on the board for the last two or three years, and it it just wasn't able to happen. But uh, as others have said, you know, when you get the right people at the right time, and and I think this is going to be your time, uh, and I know you're going to do great. So, well, I've got I've got a lot of folks I can lean into. You being one of them, and uh, even during these uh, podcast interviews, we've we've said that over and over. We have a treasure trove of we have a gold mine of knowledge in the rearview mirror that is going to take this organization further and further down the road and the more we build on that the better we'll be and hopefully uh I, you know it's it's going to be exciting to be a part of that that legacy yeah I and i think just about anybody that served on the board is welcoming of a phone call with questions you know i've I've called Phil, I've called Greg, I've called Art, uh, Chris Maroyce, um, just about every past president, uh, even Stephen Skinner, of course, um, for guidance, for advice uh, on certain situations, um, instead of like Eva was saying, being reactionary to something, let's let's talk about it. And what have you seen in the past? Um, what do you think now? Uh, it's and again our membership you know the willingness to share ideas um on the talk list the talk list is one of the biggest uh, tools and advantages we have uh, we don't see each other as competition you know we think there's enough work to go around for everybody and we want to see everybody succeed and that makes representatives look better you know in the eyes of social security and in the community it makes us more accepted and and even needed so uh, that that's a culture we have to absolutely continue to foster. And I think we will. It's just the makeup of this and the personality of this organization. I agree. It's one of those things where, you know, from the inside out, that is how this association has developed, where um, it is a member-based organization. And, you know, every decision from the top that's made is, made by people who were voted on by their peers and who can only operate in the confines of the bylaws, right? So there's no like from on high decision-making, you know, everybody. And then when you're president on a board of nine, guess what? Your vote only counts if they're tied. So um, it, it kind of has created its own, you know, sort of quasi checks and balance situation where we really feel like the members, you know, do have a lot of say. Um, and, and then that that's evidenced by our our recent membership meeting in um in Denver, right? Like we weren't even able to take a, a, a formal vote on a bunch of the bylaws stuff because we didn't have a quorum, but the membership meeting lends itself for um for people to stand up and, and give their opinions about things, you know? Um and I, you know, even though uh, maybe there was some tense, you know, moments there. I think that's exactly what the organization is about, you know, saying what you believe. 
yeah, the, we had, uh, for those who don't know, we had gone to uh, a couple of attorneys that specialize in nonprofit organizations. We thought it was uh, time after 23 years to take a look at our bylaws and take a look at our articles of incorporation and see if, you know, if there's anything we can do to make it better. So they had a few suggestions. And we put those suggestions out to the membership to vote on because we have to vote on them once a year at our annual business meeting uh, to enact them. Well, they were not received as the greatest for, for some people. And I can certainly understand that. And again, hindsight uh, on a lot of things uh, is good. We thought we had thought this out pretty well, but you know, there's some differing opinions and there's always going to be. So there was a few tense moments at the annual business meeting, but and there was actually a call for us to just withdraw every single one of them. And I said, I didn't want to do that, even though if they might have been controversial. I didn't want to do that because, again, this is a organization made up of its members. And I thought it would be a disservice not to bring that to the general membership to look at and let them decide. You know, it's not a decision for me to make, for the vice president to make, or for the other seven board members to make. It's These are decisions should be made for the organization by the members is that's just who we are. And that's why we went forward with it and explained what our position was. And I think we, we did better because of it instead of just pulling it back and having people talk behind it. So we want to put it out there. We're not hiding anything. Typically bylaws are going to cause, <laughs> you're going to make waves with bylaws changes. That's pretty much a given. Um, almost regardless of, even, even if you're just trying to like change the definition of something, sometimes there's a lot of, you know, heated discussion over something really simple. But that being said, um, I think that it's one of the really unique things about the organization is that we are not, um, you know, driven top down, right? Like we really try to include the membership and we want people to come to the annual business meeting. I'm already going to start talking about it and it's not till next April. So make sure that if you plan to be in Atlanta with us, you pencil in the, the annual business meeting, please. So we can have your attendance and your attention and your vote. If there's things that need to be voted on, um, because that's the spirit of the organization and, you know, it, it makes us better, even if we don't agree, you know, and Robert Bordelon and his uh, standing up at the annual business meeting and his, you know, sort of trial lawyer presentation that he gave. And I'm really good personal friends with Robert. I love him to death. His daughter lives in my neighborhood here in Houston. And anytime he comes in town, if he has a spare moment, we meet up and have a beer and watch the Astros. But it's just, I was sitting in the front row watching this and I'm like, Eva, don't laugh. Do not bust out laughing. You have to be respectful. Like, he, you know, and afterwards he's like, oh, I hope I didn't offend you. I'm like, Robert, you're not offending me. I think it's great. I think it's awesome that you're standing up for what you believe in. It's great. Yeah. That's another thing, Shay, that um, you, you got to look at, you know, any criticism that's going to come your way, which, you know, will you know, come towards the board. You don't take it personally. You can't, you know, you have to stay the course and do what you feel is right, you know, and, but still listen, listen to what they have to say. I listen to everybody that, that emails me, that calls me, and I've gotten a lot of calls, a lot of, a lot of emails over the past couple of years. And um, I'm still learning to this day, you know, 
eight years, 11 months and 10 days into it, I'm still learning about this job. And that's the thing. Never, never close your door. Yeah. That's my advice. So Michael, what do you hope for Nader in the future in ADR? I should say, what do you hope for? Well, as we talked about before, I hope we never lose our identity of being a member driven organization. Uh, and that we always collaborate with each other and are willing to share ideas. You know, I think we're on a really good path right now. We're stronger than we've ever been. Our numbers are as high as uh, they've ever been. I think they're 20% higher than when I came on the board in, in 2014. Financially, we're more than double what we uh, had in the bank. So we're very solvent right now and can respond to anything that, that would happen. Uh, so I'm proud about uh, that growth. Um, in the past couple of years, we've had a really good working relationship with Social Security, and uh, that's taken a long time to build. And they do come to us now for uh, projects like the ERAP project. I think they learned from their CSU disaster when they just presented it to us and rammed it down our throat, and everybody knows how that went. So they came to us and asked for volunteers to work with them over the last year and a half to try to produce this uh, new enhanced representative process. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but at least they came to us. They they came to the front lines for the people that are actually being affected because the hearing offices and the representatives both hated it. It, it was a big burden, but to listen to people at, at the bottom end uh, is a big step, I think, for the agency. And uh, I just hope that they continue to work with us. And I think that will strengthen the membership and the organization uh, by continuing to do that. Definitely. I think that that, um, one of the takeaways that I had from this ERAP project is that they put somebody internally who used to be a rep overseeing that project. And I was like, wow, maybe they've learned something. <laughs> this is great. Somebody who was representing people and knows what it's like to be on the other side um, was in charge of kind of configuring that and and immediately was like, we need rep input, um, which was the best decision for them in my mind to sort of make this go as smoothly as possible and and and, and work for people, right? Like in a functional way. Um, so yeah, I'm with you, Michael. I think that our relationship with SSA is sort of crucial um, to the future of our organization. And, um, you know, obviously yeah. our relationships with... Um, the people that we've cultivated um, partnerships with um, on the Hill and, um, you know, and then, and then having a solid board of directors that's willing to um, individually stand up and say like, no, I don't agree with that. Let's look at it from this angle. Um, or, or maybe, maybe, Hey, yeah, we are unified on this and that feels really good and makes this a simple decision um, to make, you know, but the leaders I think are, are so important. You know, the people that sit in those seats and collaborate monthly to um, the betterment of the organization, they're just so important. So thank you, Shay, for your willingness to serve. I'm excited for you to get onboarded and um, kind of see behind the curtain. And of course, thank you, Michael, for nine years almost of service and um, look well, forward I have to, to yeah, I have to add to the uh, the nine years record. I've got a couple other records, I think, that uh, 
uh, I have, uh, I've counted up uh, for our last board meeting in August here, it will be 108 monthly board meetings I've had and I haven't missed a one. Wow, uh, that's a lot. And also I think uh, I hold the record now for the most times being a guest on the podcast. This is my fourth podcast, so. You do, yes, you do. So I'm not saying records should not be broken, but I'm proud of them. <laughs> I'll take them for you. But you're going to go out holding some titles, right? <laughs> That's right. So it. is uh, is there some sort of uh, uh, outgoing tradition that one president does for the next president that we sh- uh, that you can, or is there one you want to start? I know like in the, you know, like a, like a handwritten message of um, get out, get out now, or... Uh... <laughs> Well, we don't want to put anything in writing like that. It's more of a, just a, a, a wink and a, you know, just a slashing of the foot, like stop, stop. No, but, uh, no uh, I did get an email uh, letter from Phil and then uh, and Greg you know, when I was incoming, uh, just uh, words of encouragement and a little pieces of advice. And, and going back to something what Eva said before, um, Phil had one of the best pieces of advice, very simple you know, you don't always have to react to everything. You, know, you don't have to answer everything that, that comes up. Think about it first. You know, don't be reactionary. Uh, sometimes the best thing uh, said is what you don't say. And that has worked a lot because it can be emotional uh, with a lot of these things, especially when people are criticizing. But you just have to learn not to be reactionary and say it's not personal and respond if you need to in a, a calm manner uh, that is not damaging. You know, it's, it's a hard one to learn uh, just in life in general. You know, don't say anything that you're going to regret mm-hmm. uh, and don't say anything that's going to be hurtful to anybody or an organization. You know, it's interesting because over the years, you know, presidents would call me and sort of, you know, unload, if you will, about whatever the topic is, you know, and that happened with Michael a couple of times, but sometimes he would just like stream of consciousness in an email and hit send, but only to me. Right. And that's like the best thing because then somebody else who's clearly got the best interest of the association in mind can say like, whoa, you need to back away from your computer right now. <laughs> like, take a step back, please do not send this email. Um, or like, hey, let me think about what you said and let me get back to you. Like, I, I think what you said is good, but let me kind of like give you, you know, so that happened a lot. And I think that's a great way to handle situations that are, uh, I don't know, potentially volatile or, um, you know, hard, difficult, right? Where your emotions get pulled in and you're like trying not to be, but it's really hard in that moment not to be emotional, you know? So you sometimes have to get it out to somebody and I'm sorry if that landed on you a lot, but no, that I, that's, I feel like that's the way it should be, you know? And that's the way it's been. I mean, sometimes it was a phone call from previous presidents. Sometimes it was an email um, or sometimes, you know, we would be, we would happen to be in person and they would just have, we would have a one-on-one and they would say like, here's the thing, you know, this is what's happening. Um, but you have to do that. And, you know, venting, I think before, you know, getting it all off your chest, exactly how you feel about it. And then being like, okay, but wait, you know, you get a frame 
around it again, you know, and you can move forward without, um, you know, without making a mistake, you know, without saying something you regret or um, doing something that, you know, isn't the right move for you or for the association. So. Yeah. That, that brings up an, another thing of the, the job that you do, Eva. Um, just keeping, uh, you're, you're the one constant that's been here since, you know, before I've been here and it seems like I've been here forever. I'm almost a fossil to dig up, I think. Uh, and I'm not even that old compared, but. Um, hey, but guess what? I'm finally turning 40. I could finally say it, right? I've asked you for like seven years now. Are you 40 yet? So. Yeah. <laughs> But no, enough can't be said for the job that you and your team have done, you know, through your various people that have worked for you. Um, we wouldn't be able to keep it together as a board or me as a president without your help. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I love it. It's like my, you know, NADR is my first kid. Um, well, you had an advantage of being a rep and, you know, working with your sister, uh, for a few years before you took this on as the association manager and very rarely does an association manager that's or a CEO of an organization have a chance to have a volunteer organization to move up uh, that way and get intimate knowledge of it from the ground up. Uh, so it, I think it's absolutely helped you cultivate this into what it is and the organization is so much better for it. So I have to. Thanks, think. Michael. I appreciate that. You know, I will undoubtedly agree that, you know, the experience of being a rep and working for a disability firm and, you know, being on calls with claimants that are, you know, mentally ill or, you know, bouncing from Uncle Bob's couch to Aunt Sue's floor, all of those things definitely, definitely lend, um, it's just sort of a better understanding of, you know, what the members are dealing with day to day and, and what the job really requires and um, for sure have helped me, um, you know, I, I think be a better, uh, be a better manager of the association because I, because I do get it, you know, I've seen it, done it, um, got the t-shirt. And so um, it makes it, it makes it, um, I don't know easier to sit in on the calls about NPRMs, right? When you know what the heck an NPRM is and you know maybe what the the magnitude of uh of the result of the NPRM will be, right? Um and you can kind of help I don't although on this call this afternoon, I don't know if I'm gonna have much to add, but but in general, um having that working knowledge has definitely I think been a benefit for for me. I mean just for me as in in my role. Um, I, th I think it also makes you more approachable on a personal level uh, to get to know, you know, not only every everybody on the board, but uh, the association management. Like you and Deb uh, have such great personalities, you know, that everybody comes up to you, you know, and not just with a problem. No, God, no, no. So many people are so sweet and so kind and uh, love on us and make us feel so, um, you know appreciated and all the things and Deb's a hoot because you know Deb does not mince words she's like oh no honey that's above my pay grade you need to talk to Eva <laughs> or like I have no clue what they're talking about on this vocational expert cross webinar but somebody said this do you think this would be a good topic for the conference you know she's so great yeah like, that's, you know. that's another thing your willingness to learn uh about you know the minutiae 
uh, of everything um, and, and ask questions that are not in your job description, you know, or dev job description. Uh, that's also what gives y'all an advantage in, in what y'all do. And, has it, and hasn't Eva been killing it with the podcast? I mean, yes, amazing. Absolutely. Especially when, when Michael came to me and I mean, I mean when, uh, when uh, Chris came to me and he said, uh, we want to, we want to start a podcast and you know, the ins and the outs, you got the equipment, you know, what is your suggestion on what we do? And I'm like, I would be willing to do it 100%. I would love to do it, but we got to have co-hosts. We got to, you know, I, I need someone that, that, I mean, we saw the way the Baltimore, um, conference was sort of pulled off she she played two she had two hats she had the in-person mc work she was doing but she was also having to relay a lot of that through video it was our first time to get through that and do that and i told i told chris i was like you know she's kind of like uh it's going to be like regis and kathy lee here i mean this is a that was really hard that was really hard actually one of my favorite one of my favorite decisions that I that that the board made was to not do hybrid for for Denver. I was real pleased with that that decision um, because I could do this podcast all day long, like sitting and talking to people and having conversations. Is well, I think I've already said it. Like I'm an over oversharer and communicator, so that's great for me. Um, but being on a live mic, whoo. That's the first time I've ever seen you nervous. Yeah. You were, you were almost shaken up there, but you, you held it together and did it great. Yeah. Thanks. I was really nervous, but not, you know, I talk in front of this group a lot. It really wasn't about being front and center for the people that were there. It was like, I am on camera and being broadcast. That's the part that I couldn't, I was having a hard time like calming down about, you know? Um, but yeah, it turned out great. And I'm glad that it showcased my skills as a co-host and that you tapped me to, to uh, do the podcast with you. Cause this is the fun stuff for me. Yeah. Well, it, it was just so natural. And I, that's what I told Chris. I was like, you know, it, it just seems like it, she knows people and she knows the people in this organization, you know? And so, and, and when we were first starting, Chris would send me um, text messages and emails of the, the critiquing, you know, and, uh, and doing the Chris thing, <laughs> but it was always very positive. You know, I mean, he was, he, he was loving, you know, we, we were learning as we were going, uh, going. And so he was loving it. I'm loving it. And we just kind of, you know, we evolved and we we're having fun. I mean, this is amazing. Yeah. It's been a fun time. Every every month, I'm like, oh my gosh, who are we gonna invite? And I have this slight panic attack about like, are we gonna have? Are we gonna have the podcast done for next month? And it just always seems to kind of work out and be timely. Um, so it's been it's been a, a really unique and fun project for me to be a part of. Well, I appreciate the board for allowing us to do it, and uh, the people for jumping in and. And the people who listen and our guest and our future guest and everybody that's played a part in it, it's been so much fun to do. And Michael, um, you, you know, there's a reason why you, you hold the record. You, like I said, you, you have that voice, you know, I mean, we have to hear it. <laughs> I don't know if it's the voice or not. 
but <laughs> but you, if, if you if you think good about that and you know, it makes you feel better go ahead yeah, yeah. i'll let you have that <laughs> we still we still we still want to work one with where we can get multiple past presidents uh in one zoom meeting as many as possible in one zoom meeting um to do a podcast and have a collective you know uh round table so to speak or not necessarily a discussion but a hey um where are we where did we come from do you remember this you know i think it would be fun for everybody to hear we hear you guys as individuals right uh, but i think it would almost be fun to have multiple past presidents um on the call together and and just do it hey, you know what we need to do we need to make that happen in atlanta when we're in person that would be awesome we need to make that happen i'm probably driving so i could bring my equipment Let's do it. Oh my gosh. Cause I think those people being in the same room, we could really capture some cool back and forth with that. It'd be nice. Now we've got some age on the organization that it's, you know, 23 years, you know, so you've got perspectives all the way back to the beginning up into to modern day. Yeah. Well, wow. I did send a text message this morning to Bob McDowell because I really want to do an individual one with him, but we'll plant the seed too, that he, he needs to make it to Atlanta so we can, um, we can do the group past president podcast. I love it. And then Michael, you'll be a part of that esteemed group of people. So you'll be on it for a fifth time. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever I can do to, to maintain a record and keep people, you know, just keep pushing people down into the bog. Um, I'm here. I'm here for that. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Good luck, Michael, as you roll off the board and uh we'll be chatting with you for sure between now and then but most definitely as we get the nominating committee geared up later this fall well uh, thank you for having me uh eva and shay it's it's been a pleasure doing the podcast it's been a pleasure uh, serving the organization